Praise the Lord. Okay. Father, I ask that you would give us wisdom today. Help us to discern truth from lies. Help us, Lord, to be molded into the image of Christ. I ask that you would open our eyes and ears to receive what you have for us from your Word, your living, active Word. If necessary, Lord, cut us to the dividing of the bone and the marrow. Lord, let your Word be proclaimed from this building like a lighthouse, that your truth <clears throat> would go forth. Use me to proclaim your, your Word, Father. You know that I can't do this without you. But I am your servant, and I surrender all to you right now in the name of the one we call Jesus, Yahashua. I ask that you would break me free from anything and everything, Lord, that may have entered my eyes, my mind, my ears, anything, Lord, that may get in the way of me proclaiming your word in the fullness of it, that you would be glorified, I pray in Christ's name. I surrender for your use. Give me unction to speak what we need to hear. Help me to speak clearly and concisely, Lord, and I ask that you would remove all distractions from all of us, that our minds wouldn't wander away from attention to your Word, I pray in Christ's name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You know, Almighty God will use all of us, each and every one of us. And, and I know some of you were here whenever we uh, talked about baptism, and I said, we are all baptized, baptizers. We're all given that authority by Christ. Well, this message is similar because God calls us to share His Word. The one we call Jesus said, go into all the world, all the world, even that little corner where we live. And sometimes that's hard for us because we think all the world means in some other country somewhere or in some other land or, or maybe even on the same land but a different part of the continent. But God says all, and when He says all, He means all. That means even that little place where we live, wherever that is, even if it's Shikora Borough or Fairview Township or Donegal Township or Center Township or wherever you all happen to be from. Some are from as far away as Pittsburgh. Some are from as far away as Connellsville. And we're given that instruction to go into all the world and preach the Word. And sometimes preaching the Word means to tell people what Jesus said, and that was to repent. That's a tough message because in today's society, we don't want to repent. We don't want to turn from sin. We want to live in it. We want to enjoy it. And we want to say, I've got something because I said a prayer. And uh, that's not God's Word, and we need to look at God's Word to see what He says to do. But part of that means we've been sent, and God's Word tells us that we are to tell them or else. And I'll share that with you as we go forward. He'll use us to the degree that He wants to for His purposes. And not all of us are called to be preachers or teachers, okay? Don't get me wrong. But we're all given that instruction to go into all the world and preach the gospel of repentance from dead works and from sin. It's written, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He's not calling you to do something unreasonable. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's found in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And then as we go on, we look in the, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the first letter that we have a record of. There, were actually, there was actually another one. This is probably the second letter. Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may, leaven is speaking of sin there, purge out the sin, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. And there's where we find salvation in Christ and Christ alone. And we've got to understand that. That's where our salvation comes from. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And where do we find the truth? God's Word, right there. That's it. That's where we find the truth. And it's no surprise that God would give instructions and apply consequences for disobedience, even if we think it's not fair. His Word actually says that, and we're going to read some passages that talk about that. And this truth is illustrated in God's message to Ezekiel. That's where we're going to be looking. And uh, we're going to hear God say, tell them or else, my paraphrase of what God says, okay? Tell them or else. And our Savior wants people, His people, to go into all the world and preach, proclaim the gospel. That's found in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. And failure to do what He instructs is very costly. It costs souls for eternity. Souls die without Christ. So I want us to open the Word to Ezekiel chapter 3. You'll find that on page 1288. That's where we started last week. But we're going to go to a different uh, portion of that. Page 1288, Ezekiel chapter 3. Ezekiel chapter 3, we're going to begin with verse 10 and read through verse 20. I have three long passages that I need to read today, folks. I ask that God would give us ears to hear what the Spirit speaks to the church today. Moreover, He said to me, Son of man, receive into your heart all my words. Where's His words? Okay? He says, receive into your heart all my words that I speak to you and hear with your ears. And go, get to the captives, to the children of your people, and speak to them and tell them, thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or whether they refuse. In other words, we are to deliver the message whether they want to hear it or not. That's our role. Okay? Now, he's speaking to Ezekiel here, but it applies to all of us. Thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or whether they refuse. Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me a great thunderous voice. Blessed is the glory of the Lord from His place. I also heard the noise of the wings of the living creatures that touched one another, and the noise of the wheels beside them, and a great thunderous noise. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit. But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Sounds like Ezekiel didn't want to go. 
Then I came to the captives at Tel Abib who dwelt by the river Chebar, and I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. He didn't say anything. He just was there for seven days. Now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me saying, now let's pause there for a moment because we are not to speak until the Lord tells us to, all right? The word of the Lord came to him, he said, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give the warning from me. Son of man, I made you a watchman. God has made me a watchman. And sometimes I have to deliver messages that are very difficult, that are very hard, sometimes to a whole congregation, sometimes to an individual, but they're never easy because it's warning from God. God gives warnings. How many know God gives warnings? His Word is full of them. Do this or this happens. Do that or that happens. He also gives blessings, but His Word is full of warnings. And He says, as as we go on, The Lord said, therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. Tell them or else. Yet if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. This is the word of the Lord. This isn't my word. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. What's the wages of sin? Death. Okay. Because you did not give him warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. So God's speaking to the righteous and to the unrighteous. He's speaking to the unrighteous and to the righteous. And where does our righteousness come from? Anybody? Christ, right. Christ. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning, and you have delivered your soul. I pray that God adds His blessing to the reading and hearing of His Word. That's a tough message for me. That's for me. I must deliver the Word of God as it is written. I may not sway from it. I may not twist it and turn it and make it fit what I like it to say. I must deliver the Word of Almighty God. That's what I'm called to do. And it's hard sometimes, folks. It is hard sometimes. Ezekiel was called by Almighty God to be a watchman. And as I said, yours truly has been too. In fact, I'll, I'll get there. Ezekiel didn't call himself nor have I. It's not a job you want, okay? It's a job that I ran from for 20 years. I did not want to do this. I'm telling you folks this so you understand my position, okay? I'm not here because I think this is a cushy job and it's something that I want to do. I'm doing this because Almighty God has called me to it and I must. I must do it for my own soul's sake. 
if nothing else. You see, Jonah knew that. Jonah understood because Jonah said, no, I'm not going there. I am not going to Nineveh. And he ran from God. Oh, yours truly did too. But God got a hold of him, and he said, you're going to do this. And Jonah said, oh, yeah, okay, because I know you'll take me out. The same happened to me. A watchman is one who's set upon a city wall or in a tower, a high tower in a vantage point where they can see a great distance. They can see the enemy approaching. They can see the impending danger that's upon wherever it is that they're watching over, and they can warn of it. And they had horns, similar to this one, probably a lot bigger and curled and all that, and they would have to blow the trumpet, okay? They'd have to blow the trumpet to warn the people that they were watching over. And they would see the danger, and they'd warn those who were within the protection of that particular community that they were warning of the danger. In the physical sense, the danger could be an enemy army, but it also applies spiritually because the enemy can be anything that can cause eternal damnation, and that is sin. No matter how we like it or don't, Sin brings death, and we must be people of repentance. And I'm not saying you're going to go to hell if you, if you sin and then you don't repent that very moment. I'm not saying that, folks. What I'm saying is you need to turn your hearts over to the Lord so that every time you slip, you step into something that you know is not right by God, that you would turn from it. Truth is illustrated in God's message to Ezekiel. And it's no surprise that God would give those instructions and apply consequences. These days, a watchman is often a shepherd of a community of believers who gather to praise and worship God, just like this. Believers can be viewed themselves, can be viewed as watchmen, because Jesus said, go into all the world, warn them of the danger of sin. Tell them of the consequences. We're called to do that. We have to preach repentance. That's what the Word says. And if the watchmen sleep on the job, guess what? They receive the consequences. Anytime a watchman was caught sleeping on a job, they were killed. They were killed. That was the consequences for sleeping on the job. They had to convict of sin. And you see, now we have the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin. Yours truly proclaims the Word. The Holy Spirit knows each and every one of you, and He speaks to you individually. And I've had people come to me and say, you know, Pastor, you spoke right to me today. I said, that was God. Because I don't know. Most of you, I don't know enough about you to be able to say, yeah, I better preach on that today because, uh, no, (laughs) I don't know. The watchmen in the body of Christ are called by God to warn believers and unbelievers of the danger that sin brings. And not only that grace. As we go on, you'll see that because God says, do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked? No. His grace is immense. His mercy endures forever. But we may not continue running from God and expect somehow to be in His grace. That's not how it works. He'll extend His grace to us to bring us back. We're not in it if we run out of it. The watchmen are called to warn people. We're called to send others out to warn of the menace also. The pitfalls of sin are not just physical, they're spiritual. 
And those who heed the warning of the watchman are protected from eternal danger that's approaching. We know that there is danger approaching. And those who disregard the warning of the watchman do so to their own peril, even though God's grace and mercy are available. Ezekiel was called as a watchman, and he was to profess what God gave him to say, nothing more and nothing less. God said, speak these words. Earlier in the, in the book of Ezekiel, we hear where God says, eat the scroll. In other words, consume the Word of God and then speak it, bring it out. Refusing to warn people of the danger that Almighty God had warned Ezekiel of would have brought the consequences to Ezekiel. God said so. Tell them or else. I'm going to hold you accountable. And this truth has lost favor in Christianity today. Instead, the I and me system of theology has taken over. The mantra goes like this, I have my salvation. God so loved me that He gave His only begotten Son to save me. Well, the Word says God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe would be saved. They would not have damnation. They would have everlasting life. And believing is a whole other topic, okay? I'm not going to go into that now. Time won't permit. But what does it mean to believe? I want you, I'm going to challenge you with that question. What does it mean to believe? Does it mean giving a mental assent? Does it mean just saying some words? Does it mean saying a little prayer? Does it mean jumping through some theological hoops? What does it mean to believe? Really, truly, genuinely believe? That's the question. And that idea of saying a prayer after jumping through some scriptural hoops has replaced authentic repentance, and this is why we have a church that has lost favor with God. God showed me this very clearly. But those who pass this off as authentic Christianity are mistaken. They're not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. It's the power of God that brings us to repentance. And doing anything that God commands is widely regarded as a work now, and a shun doing works. Oh, you don't work for your salvation. Well, you're absolutely right. We don't. He did the work, but we work out our salvation. That's what His Word says. In Ephesians chapter 2, we learn, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Because if we can do a work to get ourselves salvation, then we can puff up our chest and say, I got mine. He says, no. It's from God. It's a gift. God's salvation is a gift. It's not of works, but sadly, the truth, this truth, is used by many today to promote disobedience. You've got salvation, so you don't have to do anything. I've heard them say it. That's a lie right out of hell, because God's Word is contrary to that, and if anything goes contrary to God's Word, it is not God's Word. It is out of hell. It is not from God. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, this is right after the passage that tells us, for by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Paul brings in the other side. He says, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. It's by Christ that we can do the work that God wants us to do, whatever it is. We get to do a lot of that here. We had three food giveaways this week, Sunday, Wednesday, and yesterday. 
I'm a little fatigued, but it's a blessing. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should, not could, should walk in them. And in James chapter 2 and verse 17, it is written, even so faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. In other words, we're saved by God's grace through our faith and unto good works. And without the works, our faith is dead. And then as we go a little further along in James, we read this in in, uh, verse 24, you see then how that by works a man is justified, not by faith only. He's telling us we will be shaped. Our fruit, what we do is going to show whether or not we actually have faith and whether or not we actually believe. If we are genuine believers, we're going to see the work come out of that belief. Years ago, when I first studied Ezekiel, my life was in a turmoil. I mean a serious turmoil. I was running from God. I didn't want to do what He wanted me to do, and I distinctly heard the Holy Spirit impress upon me that God was calling me as a watchman, and I didn't want it. This alarmed me because I'd been running from God for so long, I knew that I had missed the mark. I knew that I was sinning. I knew that I was not where He wanted me to be. I knew that I had missed the opportunities that He had laid in front of me in very, very many times. And the Holy Spirit instilled a sense of urgency within me. There's an urgency. And some people hear me preaching, oh, you preach hard. Well, you have to understand, this is urgent. It's urgent that God's Word go forth. He said, whenever this time comes that we're in, I believe, that He would send a famine. And it's not a famine for food. It's a famine for His Word. He wants His Word to go forth. And yet there are so few today that are willing to proclaim His Word in the fullness of it. And He moved me to proclaim God's Word, and I've done so. But at first... I didn't believe I was able to. I didn't think that I was uh, going to be able to do what God called me to do because, uh, and I have to say, I was correct. I personally, personally, me, did not have what I believed was needed to be a watchman. I didn't have what I believed. But you see, what I believed was wrong. I didn't need some extreme education. All I needed was the Holy Spirit. As His Word says, you need none to teach you but the Holy Spirit and His Word. And God brought me to understand that, because I didn't. Almighty God in His goodness and mercy brought me to that place where I comprehended what He wanted from me, and He would use me to proclaim His truth. He did that when I was a teenager. Fifteen years old, I was preaching His Word. I didn't I had no theological training, but God said, preach it, and I did. Then I ran. And I regret running. I regret that. But He said He would give me what I need right here, right here. And so will He do for you. You're baptized baptizers, but you're also baptized proclaimers of the Word. You can serve the Word of God to other people. It's not difficult, folks. When the Holy Spirit leads you, you share what He gives you to share. All that I or anyone else needs is His Holy Word to share with others. It contains the true, these are God's true written instructions. Some call this the basic instructions before leaving earth. I don't think it's basic. This is in depth. This is in depth, okay? And the Holy Spirit's the only one that can open it up for you. Not a man. 
Now, some men have had lots and lots of experience with the Holy Spirit leading them, and they can maybe guide you a little bit. But let me tell you, when the Holy Spirit takes you into the Word of Almighty God, He will give you what you need, especially what you need to share with other people, even if you don't believe you can. And this is the truth of God's Word. This is the truth of God's Word. He takes ordinary women and men just like us. He's done so all through time. He had, whenever, whenever Christ was on the earth, He didn't set up a school of theology and say, okay, you got to go there for five years or ten years or twenty years, and then you can go out and preach the Word. No, He said, you go into all the world and preach. Proclaim the gospel. Preach repentance. He said so. Whether we agree with it or not, He'll empower us to proclaim what God says to proclaim, whether we agree or not. And whether we like it or not, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for all Scripture. It doesn't say only the New Testament. It doesn't say only the Old Testament. It says all Scripture. All. I've had preachers tell me, oh, that's in the Old Testament, uh, brother. That doesn't apply to us. And it says, wait, God's Word says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Right. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. And when it says man, he's talking about men and women, okay? That the people of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's in 2 Timothy this is our guide. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11, it is written, Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Now that speaks to the Israelites, but it can be applied to all of us. He says, everything that you find in here is for you. It is for all of us. And we can use it as examples to guide our lives. We see that people turned from God. They were His people. They had His favor. They were marked by Him. And they turned from Him and He killed them. Now, how do we today think that somehow we can go on living in sin and God isn't going to chastise us? We need to know He will. In fact, His Word tells us, be thankful when He does because you know you're His child. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction, excuse me, for instruction in righteousness. If we listen to what Almighty God has written for our edification, and we listen to what God spoke to Ezekiel for our edification, we listen to what the one we call Jesus instructed, we can see the connection. He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. Proclaim the gospel. Preach repentance. We go into Ezekiel in chapter 18, we hear this, the soul who sins shall die. That's verse 20. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son, even though we know that the sins of the fathers carry down. We're not going to bear the guilt for our children, and they're not going to bear our guilt. It's their own guilt that they carry. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. But if the wicked man turns from all his sins, and how do we do that? Through Christ. Through Christ. God gave us an out. He gave us a way out. 
If the wicked man, wicked person, we could say, wicked man or woman, turns from all their sins which they've committed and keeps all of God's statutes and he does what is lawful and right, they'll live. They shall surely live. They shall not die. None of the transgressions which they have committed shall be remembered against them. Because of the righteousness which they have done, they shall live. And it's Christ's righteousness which has been imputed upon us, and by that we will live. You have to understand this, okay? It's, it's complicated. But let me tell you, folks, it's by His work that's not ours. None of the transgressions which they have committed shall be remembered against them. Because of the righteousness which they've done, they shall live. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die? Do you know that there is a system of theology in the world today that's been around for about 500 years that says God chooses people to destroy? Do you know that? That's a real doctrine today. Still in existence today. That God chooses. But God's Word says He doesn't have any pleasure that the wicked should die. That's what God says. That's His grace. That's His mercy. And it says, says the Lord God. This isn't Ezekiel speaking. This isn't the writer speaking. This is the Word of the Lord. And not that he should turn from his ways and live, okay? Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God? Not that he should turn from his ways and live. But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and does according to all the abominations that the wicked man does, shall he live? All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered. So don't think because you said a little prayer and you went to church services all your life, but you lived in sin, that somehow you've got something that you don't have. And that's important that you understand this, folks. It's not that I want to condemn you. I want to bring you into the fullness of what Almighty God has for you. And it doesn't matter who you are. It means to me, too. It's to me also. I want what God wants. I want what God wants for all of us. And I'm praising. I don't know if it's hot in here, if it's just me. <laughs> Whew. Praise the Lord. As we go on. We see that because of the unfaithfulness of, uh, unfaithfulness of which they are guilty, the sin which they've committed, because of them they shall die. Sin brings death. Sin brings death. We've got to get that straight, folks. Sin brings death. We may not live in blatant, immoral lifestyles against Almighty God, what He commands us not to do, or not doing what He commands us to do, and expect somehow that we're not going to be facing consequences. That is the truth of God's Word. And yet you say the way of the Lord's not fair. It's not fair, God. How dare you do this to us? Well, then he goes on, he says, here now, house of Israel, is it not my way which is fair and your ways which are not fair? When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity, and dies in it, it is because of the iniquity which he has done that he dies. You see, sin brings death. Sin brings death. This is what God's Word says. makes it very clear. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. And again, when a wicked man turns from the wickedness which he has committed and does what is lawful and right, and how do we empower to do that but by the Holy Spirit of Almighty God through Christ? turns from and does what's lawful and right. He preserves himself alive because he considers and turns away from all the transgressions which he committed. He shall surely live. He shall not die. Yet the house of Israel says the way of the Lord's not fair. 
It's not fair. I lived my life righteously. And that sinner comes along. Who did Jesus minister to? The sinners. That's right. They said it's not fair. O house of Israel, is it not my ways which are fair and your ways which are not? Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his way, says the Lord God. You know Christ put that message out also. Christ put that same message out. Repent and turn from all your transgressions so that iniquity will not be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. And do you know God says He'll put a new heart in us? He says He'll put a new spirit in us. It's His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of Almighty God enables us and empowers us to break free from the grip of sin. We are not stuck there anymore. It doesn't matter when folks say, I was born this way. I say, well, you know, we were all born sinners. You're not stuck there, not if you come into Christ. Christ's the Ark of the Covenant. Cast away all the transgressions which you've committed. Get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure. And here we get another testimony to that. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn. In other words, repent and live. Thus saith the Lord. And this is, the, in fact, the work of Christ. We are empowered by Christ to turn from our wickedness, to turn from our sin. And you know, in our society, we've been grading on a curve for so long that we brought that into the church, and we think, well, I'm not as bad as them. I'm not doing that. Oh, man. No, I tell a lie every once in a while, you know, cheat, you know, I'm not doing that. He put His righteousness upon us, and it's through His sacrifice and our acceptance of His sacrifice that we are enabled and empowered to override all the temptation of the enemy. But this doesn't excuse us from repenting of transgressions. In fact, Christ taught repentance. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is upon you. Repent. That was His teaching. And today we're, called, we're, we're told by uh, worldly theologians that repentance is a work, and we're not supposed to repent. We don't have to repent. And I've heard them say it myself. But God said, repent. Christ said, repent. Paul said, repent. John the Baptist said, repent. The apostles taught repentance. The 70 that went out preached repentance. The gospel of Christ includes repentance. Turn from dead works. Turn from sin. You have a change of mind and you have a change of heart, but you also have a change of action. The Holy Spirit enables us to turn from unrighteousness to Christ, who is the righteousness of God. That's the Word of God. And that word righteousness occurs almost 300 times in Scripture. Do you think righteousness is important to God? Almost 300 times, 290 sometimes, 296 I think it is. In Matthew chapter 5, it's written, Our Lord Himself said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
So when you look in the Word of Almighty God, and God says, okay, I need you to do this, and it goes against you, like, oh, God, I don't want to do that. Or you look in the Word of God that says, I don't want you to do this. You say, oh, God, I enjoy doing that. That's not hungering and thirsting after righteousness. You want to bring yourself into line with what it is that God wants. The Holy Spirit enables you to do that. In Psalm 107, verses 8 and 9, it's written, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness. Can we give thanks to God for His goodness today? Praise the Lord. Let's give God a praise for His goodness. He alone is good. That's what His Word says. There is none good. No, not one. Only God Himself. Christ said that too. And for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. If you want goodness, where do you turn? To God. That's the only place. That's where you're going to find it. In Matthew chapter 6, we hear our Lord said, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but... Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and everything you need will be taken care of. I'm living proof of that. God's message to Ezekiel is repeated in the 33rd chapter, and therefore the Word of the Lord is established. The reason I say that is when He was teaching about calling someone to repentance, Christ quoted Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse 15, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Two or three witnesses. We have three witnesses in Ezekiel alone. Three witnesses that say the same thing. Ezekiel 3, verses 10 to 20, the passage we started with. Ezekiel 18, verses 20 to 32, reinforces that. And Ezekiel 32, verses 1 through 20, which is what we're going to read right now. Again, the Word of the Lord. Again, again. Notice, it's not the same message. He's not saying, I'm telling you that this it happened uh, the first time. He's saying, again, the Word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, when I bring the sword upon the land and the people of the land, take a man from their territory and make him their watchman. When he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but he did not take warning. So his blood shall be upon himself. But, come on, Lord, but, but, he who takes warning will save his life. But, another but, yep, another but. Okay, if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, in other words, if the watchman doesn't warn the people of the danger, and in the spiritual sense, we're talking about sin, if the watchman does not warn the people of the danger of sin, guess what happens? Okay? Does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person, any, from among them. He is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. At the watchman's hand. And you all wonder why I preach so hard? There are consequences if I don't bring the Word of Almighty God to bear upon your souls so that you would be called to repentance. 
There are consequences for me. And I take that seriously. So you, son of man, he's speaking to Ezekiel, but it extends to every watchman that God has called. I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel, therefore you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. The warning is from God. It's not my warning, it's his warning, and I've got to share it, okay? When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die, the wages of sin are death. God says so, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but... His blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked to turn from his wicked way, and he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity. But you have delivered your soul. This is serious, folks. And therefore you, O son of man, say to the house of Israel, thus you say. In other words, the people are saying, If our transgressions and our sins lie upon us and we pine away in them, how can we then live? Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Do you hear that message again? There's another testimony to it. God does not want wicked people to die. He wants them to turn from their sins. He wants them to live forever. But that wicked turned from his way and live. But that the wicked would turn from their way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why should you die, O house of Israel? Therefore you, O son of man, say to the children of your people, the righteousness of the righteous man shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall because of it in the day that he turns from his wickedness. Nor shall the righteous be able to live because of his righteousness in the day that he sins." Now, some people take that to say, well, if you sin right now and you die right at this moment, that God is not going to forgive you. God's grace extends beyond the moment. His mercy endures forever. But that doesn't give us a license to go on sinning. If God says to stop and He's convicting you of the sin, His Holy Spirit has got His hand upon your soul and He's trying to turn you away from it, heed what He says. Turn from that sin. When I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, but he trusts in his own righteousness and commits iniquity, you see, that's what's happening in modern-day Christianity. Those who bought into this thing that you can say a little prayer and have salvation forever and ever, no matter what you do, you can go on living in sin. This is what he's talking about. They trust in their righteousness. They trust in something, but they commit iniquity. They keep living in their sin. Well, I was born this way, Pastor. I just can't help myself. Well, yeah, you can, because the Holy Spirit of Almighty God will come upon you and give you strength to overcome that sin. As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall because of the, in the day when he turns from his wickedness, for the, nor shall the righteous be able to live because of his righteousness in the day that he sins. When I say to the righteous, he shall surely live, but he trusts in his own righteousness and commits iniquity, none of his righteous works shall be remembered. But because of the iniquity that he has committed, he shall die. Again, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, if he turns from his sin, does not, he does what is lawful and right. If the wicked restores the pledge, gives back what he's stolen, walks in the statutes of life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live live. He shall not die. In other words, we need to be walking in the way of Christ. He's the one that showed the way. He's the one that showed us sinless perfection. We don't have that, but He showed it to us, and He empowers us to walk His way. None of His sins which He's committed shall be remembered against Him. Do you hear the grace of God in that? It doesn't matter what sin we've committed. Whenever God takes it away, it's away. 
But don't think because he took your sin away that you can go on sinning. That's not the Word of God. That's the Word of Satan. It's a subtle twist on the truth of God's Word. None of his sins which he's committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is lawful and right. He shall surely live. Yet the children of your people say, the way of the Lord is not fair. See, because somebody might live their whole life sinning, and then they repent, and God says, you're forgiven. Jesus taught about that, but he taught about it in a way of being paid. He said some people worked an hour, and they got paid the same as somebody that worked for a whole day. It is their way which is not fair, he says, the Lord says. When the righteous turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, he shall die because of it. But when the wicked turns from his wickedness and does what is lawful and right, he shall live because of it. Yet you say the way of the Lord is not fair, O house of Israel. I will judge every one of you according to his own ways. And it's written in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26. Just in case we think that this is just an Old Testament concept and it doesn't apply to us, let's hear what is written in Hebrews chapter 10. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. And he's not talking about you dropped the ball one day. He's talking about going out and living an immoral life, living your life against or contrary to the Word of Almighty God. We are not permitted. There are things that God hates, and I know we don't like to hear that because God is love. But there are things that God hates, and He does not allow those things in His eternal kingdom, and we need to be people of the truth. He says, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but this is in the New Testament. There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Can anybody say that with me? There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a certain fearful expectation of judgment. We can't go on living contrary to God's Word and expect somehow, because we said a little prayer and jumped through some theological hoops or some scriptural hoops, that somehow we have something that we don't have because He says we don't have it. Fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law, now he's talking about the Old Testament, he says anybody who's rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. And where we hear that concept again. Two or three witnesses, they would die if they, look, you committed this sin which is against the law of Moses, that's Old Testament, of how much worse punishment, of how much worse punishment do you suppose Will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing? Do you think that if people were destroyed for their sin in the Old Testament that somehow we're going to escape that? That is not the Word of God. God's Word says no. How much worse punishment do you suppose will those be thought worthy who have trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which they were sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? No way out of it, folks. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Nobody is authorized to change the Word of Almighty God. Nobody. Nobody is authorized to remove the consequences for willful sinning. Nobody. Not even self-proclaimed apostles. 
Not even self-proclaimed prophets. Not even self-proclaimed anointed ones. As a watchman, I'm called to warn everybody of the danger that's coming for unrighteousness. I must. I must. I hope you understand. I'm not picking on anybody. I don't know your lives, but Almighty God does. And I've got to share with you, just like I share with everybody. I've shared this with other people, and they've left. Oh, I don't want to hear that guy anymore. Well, I'm sorry, but I've got to do it. I've got to share with you the Word of God. That's what His Word says. I've got to bring it to you as clearly, as accurately, and hopefully as concisely as possible. Nobody's authorized to change the truth of God's Word, although men have done it all through the centuries. Like the ones I told you, they said, uh, you can go on sinning and you've got something you don't have. That's right out of hell, folks. That is a concept right out of hell. I'm called to invite everybody into the ark of God's covenant. And if you're not sure, if you haven't entered the ark before the door slams shut and you're left behind as the ark sails off into eternity, I want you to come forward and we'll pray for you. If you're not certain that you are in the ark of the covenant, if you're stuck in sin, if you are lost in your sin and you can't break free, I want you to come forward, folks, and we'll pray for you. Because I'm, in, I'm inviting you, and I'm called to invite you. Christ is the ark. He provides safety. And it's only to those who remain inside. God so loved the world, not just me, not just you. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, that means anybody, everybody, God's mercy endures forever. He will extend it to you no matter what your sin is. He will break it down. He will set you free. He will give you everlasting life because that is what He wants for you. He wants it for the entire world. God says, tell them or else. And as I wrap this up, I believe I can say as Paul did, it's written in Acts chapter 20, therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all who hear this message. For I have not shunned to declare you the whole counsel of God. I'm not sugarcoating it, folks. I'm not. I can't. I'm not a cotton candy preacher. I can't give you this fluffy stuff that feels good in your mouth and melts and just gives you this old warm feeling because the sugar surges into your bloodstream. I can't give you that. I've got to give you the meat of the Word. That's a tough one, okay? And I know it is. I'm not trying to run you off. I want to bring you into the kingdom of God. I want you to have what He offers. Amen. Woo! Yes. I have not shunned to declare the whole counsel of God. In Acts chapter, I don't know what it is, 18. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testify to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. No one can say that Jesus is the Christ. Yahashua was the Messiah. Nobody can say that unless they're led by the Spirit. I mean, with conviction. Anybody could mock it. But when they opposed Him, and they blasphemed, okay? Paul preached the gospel. They opposed Him. They blasphemed, and He shook His garment. And He said, your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles, in other words, the unbelievers, the ones who weren't a part of God's family at that time. 
And in 1 Timothy, I'm going to give you the charge that Paul gave to Timothy, okay? I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily. And here's the key, nor share in anyone's sins. Keep yourself pure. In other words, you get the message from God and you've got to deliver it. You have to give it. When he says go into all the world and preach the gospel, he's not just talking to me, folks. He was talking to believers. He was talking to people that were just like you and me. He wants all of us to take his word and share it with others. There's a time coming when the judgment of God is going to be upon this earth. The wrath of God is going to fall upon this earth. There are those who believe they're not going to be here for that. I'm not so sure. When I look in the Word of God, His Word says, after that great tribulation that Jesus explains, He says, after that great tribulation, which will be unlike any that ever came before or ever will again, that there will be people gnashing their teeth. They're going to think they have something, but they don't have it. After that great tribulation, he says, then you'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with glory. And some split that up somehow. I don't know how they do it, but they, they do it. They split it up into like two comings, two second comings. He's going to come and whisk his people away, and then he's going to come back, and then he's going to bring his judgment, and we're going to rule with him. Okay, well, that's not how he said it. It's not going to go with what he said. Because what he said is true. And what anybody else says could be a lie. And I don't want any lies. I don't want to share any lies. I've got to bring you all into the fullness of God's truth. I want each and every one of you to have what God offers. And that's everlasting life. Everlasting life. As we go forward as a congregation into these uncertain times, I think we all need to be clean in the eyes of God. Not in our own eyes. We need to ask God to search our hearts. We need to ask God to purify us because by His Spirit we can all be purified. This isn't a doom and gloom message, folks. I have to give you the whole counsel of God's Word. He makes that clear. If I don't, He's going to hold me accountable. Tell them or else I'm going to hold you accountable. And so all of us have that same call in our lives as believers. If you don't have a Bible, see me. I'll get you one. You need to get into it. You need to be reading it. You need to be talking with God. You don't have to talk to God like, oh, you know, churchianity type stuff. Hey, God, I'm having a tough time today. Can you help me out here? You know, sometimes that's my prayer. I pray in the, I'm praying in the middle of the night. Chris, Chris tells me, you're praying, you're, you're praying out loud in the middle of the night. God, help us. I cry out in my sleep. God, help us. Each of us need to be followers of Christ. We need to be in the Ark of that Covenant, or we will be left behind. And it's not the left behind like those people are saying in these books and movies and all that kind of stuff. Those who are in the Ark of the Covenant, we remain in Christ. We remain in Christ forever. And that's His Word. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You, Lord, that You and You alone are sovereign. We thank You, Father, for the sacrifice that You made, that we could have freedom from sin. <sighs> Lord, if there be any in this building, or any online even, who's watching, or who will hear this later, who are stuck in sin, 
People who are just locked in sin, Lord, who, who need to be set free, I pray for You to set them free, that You would release them from the bonds of sin, Lord, that they would walk in righteousness and holiness as Your Word claims we can and instructs us to do. I pray, Father, that You and You alone would be glorified through all that we say and we do as human beings on this planet. And I ask all this in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, please, if you can, stand as we… Oh, no, wait. Sorry. I forgot. Yours truly is a volunteer. If anybody wants to give a gift to help support us or whatever, please um, just put it in an envelope, mark it, and we'll be glad to receive that. Those are just uh, welcome cards. If anybody wants to write those down, you know, we've got to share those one of these days. Let's pray. Father, lead us in our giving today that it would be sufficient to meet the needs here and beyond, we pray in Christ's name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.